When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Neon, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history behind it. I'm Jem Daduchu, and this time round I'm going to start off with an existential warning for you all, because I'm going to be talking about a piece of history that while this history was happening, it was being distorted by pop culture. And then pop culture took a hold of this piece of history and further altered its perception about 30 years later. And even today, this piece of history is debated in pop culture. And indeed, there's a brand new movie that's come out that actually rebuts some of the previous pop culture viewpoints. So I guess if you listen to this backwards, you could end up in some kind of strange neon pocket dimension if you want to start seeing this sort of snake eat its own tail and swallow and fold in on itself. That's because this time round we're talking about Bonnie and Clyde. You've been here for three and a half hours. How many different ways do you want me to tell the same story? Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. I'm impressed. How many questions does it usually take to spot? As your leader, I encourage you from time to time, and always in a respectful manner, to question my logic. Now to run a computer check on this tape and the professor. Dodge this. The tracks go off in this direction. So let's let's actually start with the pop culture of Bonnie and Clyde and how that evolved over the time. And then we'll go into who were they really? So I mean, it is worth pointing out that Bonnie and Clyde, as soon as I say that, I'm going to pretty much guarantee, if you've indeed heard of these individuals, that you're going to have a certain image. You're going to have a, a very smartly, sophisticatedly dressed woman. You're going to have a guy in a sharp suit, probably in a car, perhaps holding like shotguns or Tommy guns and things like that. They are 
iconic. And that kind of helped their case, as it were. In the 1930s, America was in the grip of the Great Depression. And so Bonnie and Clyde were, in, interestingly, sometimes they refer to as Bonnie and Clyde, but actually most of the authorities, and quite often in the newspapers, they refer to as the Barrow Gang. Because Bonnie and Clyde are so famous, you probably can't tell me what their surnames are. They were, for the record, Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow. And they weren't these two people who worked together. There was a whole network of criminals that, that worked within them. And indeed, they even helped break some criminals out of prison to further bolster their, their forces, as it were. But they were portrayed in their own time, in the early 1930s, in the middle of the worst economic downturn America had ever seen at a time when most of the world was in the grip of an economic downturn. These people were shown as being bank robbers. And you might go, well, that's not a good thing. But think about it. The banks had caused the stock market crash. It was the financial institutions that had created the issues that led to the stock market crash of 29. And then suddenly everybody's broke, basically, in the 1930s. I feel, for the record, I have to point out that even in Britain, we tend to think that this was a bad time. Actually, it wasn't. Uh, it was a terrible time in places like Germany, obviously, and America, obviously. But Britain still had an empire it could trade with. So while, yes, the economy perhaps was not firing on all cylinders, it actually was doing much better than most of the rest of the world at that time. But we tend to think that was a bad time for us too. No, it wasn't. Actually, it far more affected other economies. So if you've got these people robbing these banks, then it's pretty easy to create a narrative of a sort of modern day Robin Hood type thing. And also we have these two young 20 somethings who did dress sharply for their time. They were not so much sort of fashion trendsetters, but they were following the trends of the time. So any photos of them, they looked cool. It would be, you know, uh, the equivalent of wearing a leather jacket and shades or something like that. So people of the time, young people of the time in the 1930s who were consuming magazines and reading newspapers would see people that they recognized, which you have to be honest, most of the time in the news, it's going to be older people, you know, presidents and, and people like that. Heads of state aren't, don't tend to be 20 somethings. So these were two people in their physical prime wearing the, the sort of the current fashionable attire it's pretty easy to start creating a narrative of these guys are on your side, pushing against those financial institutions that have ruined everybody's lives. And that was by and large what they were sort of portrayed as by many sort of uh, books at the time, magazines, newspapers, etc. And it became a thrill chase of the sort of the manhunt to try and hunt down Bonnie and Clyde in the 1930s. There will be spoilers, by the way. I will be telling you how this all ends, uh, but you've had plenty of time to work it out. So even in the 30s, they were kind of celebrities. And even in the 30s, the pop culture wasn't being entirely balanced with its view of these individuals. And then in 1934, they got ambushed and uh, by various law enforcement agencies and killed in, in a shootout. More on that later, but here's 
the really interesting point that uh, I, I will be going in, I'll be coming back to that shootout and sort of like the direct consequences immediately after of pop culture. Beware of fame. It can be a very fickle mistress. And I'll explain more about that in a little bit. But what's interesting is when these two people were laid to rest at their funerals, well, Bonnie had more than 20,000 people turning up to her funeral, and Clyde got more than 15,000. These were, in a weird way, the kind of numbers you'd expect to, for a national hero, rather than for two criminals who had been on the FBI's most wanted list. And then we have to fast forward to the 1960s and absolutely the most famous film around these two people was the 1967 film called Bonnie and Clyde an original title undoubtedly and here we have Bonnie played by Faye Dunaway and Clyde played by Warren Beatty who in the in 1967 you will not find two more glamorous good-looking people and they looked amazing on the screen. Indeed, Faye Dunaway's little berets, which sort of was worn by uh, the real Bonnie, but I mean, she wore other 1920s or 30s type hats as well. But the beret became synonymous. And pretty much if you were a young woman in 1967, as soon as you saw this movie, you ran out and you bought that beret. It's a bit like in the early 1990s when Pulp Fiction came out with Uma Thurman. Uh, Uma Thurman's outfit was very easy to reproduce. A, a sort of a, a, a tight white shirt, black trousers, and that kind of almost bob-like uh, dark haircut. God, it was everywhere. Uh, so, you know, women kind of want to look like they're female heroes. And, and what you've got with Bonnie is somebody who isn't just beautiful. Uh, you know, she isn't just uh, an object to be admired. She's part of a gang. She was dangerous. She was involved in bank robbery. So, feminist icon? Question mark. But in the 1960s, in a weird way, what was happening in America was very similar to what was happening in the 1930s. Because you've got this whole counterculture movement, this anti-authoritarian movement. Now, an awful lot of it was tied up around Vietnam and Bonnie and Clyde would have known nothing about that. But really, the framework of the movie was to have these two people as just achingly beautiful, you know, pushing against society, kind of devilish little rogues rather than dangerous killers. And they you know, they, they just sort of like jumped out of the screen. They were talking to a whole new generation, but saying the same kind of things that were repeated in the media of the 1930s about how we're basically doing this to push against the man. Now, in the 30s, it was overtly financial. On this time, it was far more about the authorities. The police were shown pretty much in that 1967 movie as the bad guys. And that was kind of, wasn't quite revolutionary, but it was kind of new and refreshing. So, at the end, when Bonnie and Clyde are, are uh, ambushed by the police, it's all done in slow motion. And it was genuine that the police did riddle that car with bullets. Again, more actual historical detail later. But when those two people in the movie go down, this is a tragedy. These two star-crossed lovers are cut down in their prime. This is Romeo and Juliet 
for a new generation. This is Robin Hood, who's been captured by the evil Sheriff of Nottingham. You've got all these pop culture references shoved into this one, these two real people and this one moment of massacre because there is, it is of historical record that they were gunned down in the most violent of ways. But when you slow-mo it, when you sort of zoom in on their faces, when you sort of show the callousness of the, of the police officers just firing again and again, you sit there and go, make it stop, make it stop. Now, when it came out in 1967, it was X-rated in the UK. You know, the, the modern day rating system didn't exist, but it was adult content, if you like. Um, I guess, you know, the, the best equivalent would be an 18 or an R rating in America today. Somehow, I have no idea why. I'm not quite sure what they cut because they certainly didn't cut that bit. But as a kid, I saw this film on TV. Uh, you know, during the daytime, I, well, I wasn't allowed to stay up late to watch sort of the, the more adult content on TV. And this was sort of before videos and things like that. So as a kid, I was loving this sort of kooky story of these two people. I didn't know how it was going to end. I was just a kid. And so when these two people were shot to pieces, I was horrified. And is why it's taken me I don't know, 35 years, something like that, before I've gone back to it and watched it again. It, you know, it really, I'm not going to say scarred me as a child, but I just thought, oh, I like these people. Why, why did that bad ending have to happen to those two nice people? But that's how manipulative that movie was. There, there was no, uh, there was no nuance to, to it whatsoever. They were good. They were good bank robbers. It's a bit like when you talk to little kids and they go, I'm dressing up as a pirate. And you go, why do you want to dress? I, you know, I sometimes tease little kids. I used to do this with my kids when they were younger. It's like, why do you want to be a bad guy? And they would look at you with a little sort of grumpy face and go, I'm a good pirate. Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, but it was pretty much that angle with the 1967 movie. And Bonnie and Clyde, exploded across media in the nine in 1967 specifically because you've then got the ballad of bonnie and clyde which was part of the movie that's georgie fame song and that was a number one hit in the uk now this is 1967 when record sales meant something okay we are you know yeah, georgie fame was going to have to beetle the likes uh, battle the likes of the beatles or the rolling stones to get to number one i'm not saying that they necessarily knocked either of those off but yeah this was when record sales were like in their hundreds of thousands so to get to number one in the uk big uh, was a big deal and it may not sound as impressive but getting to number seven in the u.s charts you know i it's called the ballad it's not even sort of like a cool sort of like rock song or pop song for the 1960s it's called the ballad of bonnie and Clyde, but it was a bit of a cultural phenomenon. Indeed, same year, you got uh, Serge Gainsbourg and Brigitte Bardot doing what can only be described as an early music video. They created their own Bonnie and Clyde song, and you then got those two people playing Bonnie and Clyde in this short little movieette. And then you got Brigitte Bardot, who's this incredible beauty symbol around the world, both playing this woman in 1967. When it came to the Oscars in 1968, Bonnie and Clyde won too, but they didn't win any of the major ones because actually 1967 was just one of those turning point years. So uh, these were the films that were 
a sort of under contention for the Oscars in obviously 1968 Oscars to talk about the 1967 movies. Okay, but we're talking about um, in the heat of the night. We're talking about Cool Hand Luke, Dirty Dozen, The Graduate, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and and obviously Bonnie and Clyde as well. You, you put those together and you can see that is more gritty. It, it's more dark. It's talking about more mature ideas. And it shows you that cinema was evolving in the 1960s. So perhaps if, if Bonnie and Clyde had come out two years earlier, it would have swept the Oscars. It might have won six or seven. Uh, but actually it ended up uh, uh, only winning two and none of the actor Oscars. Uh, sorry, Warren. Sorry, sorry, Faye. Yeah, well, Faye lost it to Catherine Hepburn. Um, uh, so for guess who's kind of coming to dinner? So, um, yeah, you know, sometimes you just have to shrug and go, OK, fair enough. The, the better person won in the, those situations. And that is kind of where Bonnie and Clyde lived. They lived in this sort of sweet spot of the noble outlaw. And what's interesting is that there, there can be no doubt that there has to be a bit of a conversation about feminist icon in there as well, because when you think of famous sort of bandits or outlaws or pirates, uh, yes, there were actually a surprising number of female pirates, but, you know, Blackbeard's the one you all think of as soon as I say pirates, or it might be Dick Turpin the Highwayman, or Jesse James, or whoever, but it tends to be the guys. And it wasn't Clyde and Bonnie, it was Bonnie and Clyde. So I think that most women are going to have a soft spot, and there are genuine photos of her. It's like... Uh, leg up on the side of a of a of a car, clutching a shotgun, and there's the big debate about is she chewing on a cigar? It seems that she never actually smoked cigars, so maybe, maybe, maybe she just posed for that photo with a cigar. Maybe the the actual photo itself was doctored. Somebody's even suggested it's actually a rose in her in her mouth. I I don't really buy that one. Uh, that seems a weird thing to do. I mean, she was a heavy smoker, but she smoked Camel cigarettes rather than cigars per se. But there are cool. I'm sorry, I'm point blank. They are, there are actual cool photos of these real people in the 1930s, which you can look up right now on, on Google Images, and you'll sit there and go, yeah, that, there, there's a glamour. There's an outlaw glamour there to these people. So that is the second stage of the pop culture. But then, just recently, and this is what's triggered me recording this particular neon, is Netflix has released a movie called The Highwaymen. And this is a movie which stars Kevin Costner as Frank Hammer and Woody Harrelson as Manny Galt. And these were two Texas Rangers who genuinely had been taken out of retirement and asked to try and track down Bonnie and Clyde. Now, by 1934, Every law enforcement agency that could be looking after, looking around for them, had been, were, and were actively looking for these people. They had evaded the law for two years. They had uh, robbed at least a dozen banks. They had killed nine police officers as well. And the highwaymen is a really strange, I mean, because we're talking about 52 years later, but there is absolutely an element of the highwaymen that's a rebuttal to the 1967 Bonnie and Clyde movie. Because Bonnie and Clyde are talked about in it all the time. But they are very, very rarely shown. And more often than not, they're kind of out of focus or they're too far away for you to get a proper look at them. Uh, you know, you see them from behind. Uh, and it's, 
I really like The Highwaymen. I think that if you're looking for an action-packed movie, you're going to be bitterly disappointed. This is a slow burn character story. This is the, the classic story about men out of their time. These men are literally referred to as cowboys on a number of occasions, and they kind of were. The real men really were. Uh, you know, Texas Rangers have got more in common with sheriffs gunning down outlaws in the Wild West than they do with modern day police enforcement. And that is discussed an awful lot. But if you want to see, I've always thought that both Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson, not every film they've ever made is good. But when they're given a good script, when they're given something meaty to get their teeth into, you can get something pretty magical. Of course, talking about cowboys, it's got to be a little bit in the back of your mind about, you know, Kevin Costner's obviously played some pretty impressive cowboys. He's played Wyatt Earp in the movie Wyatt Earp. Uh, he, obviously, there's Dances with Wolves. And then there's Open Range, which a lot, a lot of people kind of flew under the radar. It sort of rehabilitated him. But if you haven't seen Open Range, really good underrated Western. There was a bit of a renaissance in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s of some of these, like, like the 310 to Yuma and, and some of these other films where, you know, there's just some really good modern takes on Westerns. But regardless, the other thing, of course, is we're in the era of the Trilby and the shotgun and the sort of, well, it's slightly later than the Model T Ford. But there's an echo, you know, just seeing Kevin Costner with that Trilby on, clutching a gun, going after gangsters. I, I don't know if it's deliberate, but it, I'm going to say it has to be echoing Untouchables, which is, again... It's, it, Untouchables isn't really talked about with the same reverence as something like The Godfather, but it's a genuine five-star movie. It actually got Sean Connery an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. It's an amazing film. If you've not seen The Untouchables, I mean, it's rated 15, rated R in America. You know, it is bloody. Um, and it's obviously a very stylized view of the sort of, of the hunt for Al Capone. And Robert De Niro's in it, for heaven's sakes, playing Al Capone. But it's a really, really great film. And, uh, you know, the, the, the huge climax, which never actually happened, but is a bit of cinema history in its own right. That's all I'll say in that respect. Any film that can sort of visually check um eisenstein's uh, battleship potemkin you know your, your film history at that point so highwaymen is seen from the point of view of let's just call them law enforcement shall we the law enforcement side of things the hunting them down the disgust of the executions at times of these police officers there were times when bonnie and clyde ambushed police officers and, and shot them. Now, we don't exactly know who pulled the trigger. It is very much shown in the movie that Bonnie was an active participant. We have some of the, the gang who were rounded up sort of after the deaths of Bonnie and Clyde, and they have many conflicting uh, accounts. Some, But some of them said that in reality, she never fired a shot once. She never killed anybody. She waved a gun around. But she was involved with at least a dozen bank robberies, a number of other armed holdups, and was accessory to murder on a total of 13 times. Because that's how many people Bonnie and Clyde, or the Barrow Gang, actually killed. Nine of those were police officers, but some civilians were also killed, either in the crossfire or somebody lost their temper or something like that. That wasn't as well reported in the 1930s. Again, I'm sort of creeping into the real history for a moment here. And The Highwayman is not exactly uh, whiter than white in telling its historical side, but 
it does show you that these people weren't just sort of harmless pranksters, as they were sort of almost implied in the 1967 movie, that these people were killers, that these people you know, caused problems and needed to be taken down. And as these people had caused so much violence before, then maybe, yes, the ambush at the end was not necessarily, might not have been to the textbook way that the police should have tried to arrest them, but their time had come. You know, you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Uh, and actually, there's there can be sort of like little doubt that justice was served, even though it might have been perhaps more Wild West justice, but that was kind of the rules that Bonnie and Clyde were going by. But if so, you know, the great thing about Netflix, if you, you look, there's the whole debate. If it arrives on Netflix, is it a movie? You know, because we talk about TV movies, or we used to all the time. But now Netflix is trying to get its stuff winning Oscars. But if you release a TV movie like HBO does, those go to, uh, the, you, you can win a, a Golden Globe for one of those. But you can't win an Oscar for one of those. So what, you know, both Amazon Prime and what Netflix are doing is they sort of like, they release it in like two cinemas and say, well, okay, fine. Look, it, it's, it's it's definitely a movie. And, you know, the weird thing is that there we talk about how cinematic some movies are, but the reality is for 99% of the life of a film, it lives on your, your TV screen. Well, hell, sometimes it might live on your actual iPad or, or phone. And and therefore, yes, you can lose some of the power. There, there was debate, sorry, very brief sidebar. If you saw gravity in the cinema in 3D, that's a very different experience to what to just watching it on your phone, for example. If you watch gravity on a small screen, you're gonna sit there and go, what's the fuss about? It was an overwhelming cinematic experience. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Which is one of the reasons why it did so well in the cinema. But yes, if you like, some of that luster is undeniably lost once it comes to home release. So Highwaymen, look, we're talking about two people who are well-respected actors, who have long cinematic traditions, you know, who's still in big budget movies. Uh, and 
you know the cinematography is great in this film and i you you could you could do a lot worse than spending two hours with this film but think of it as perhaps a quieter sort of more thoughtful film and you'll get more out of it rather than i want to see a gangster action pick it's it's not that it's not monster squad for example anyway so you know the highwayman tries to set the record straight by saying these people weren't particularly nice people okay and what i want to do now is talk to you a little bit about the, the like i say the real history of these two individuals because bonnie and clyde were real individuals they were um in their 20s uh, yeah uh, bonnie was 24 when she was killed okay but I wanted to sort of bring them to life a little bit, tell you more about them and see what you think. By the time I tell you the historical facts, let's see whether you think Bonnie and Clyde have been overly romanticised or whether they kind of deserve this love. Because history, as always, is just a little bit more complicated than the films make it out to be. So uh, just... I want to start with Clyde for a moment, the, the lesser of the two, the one who gets second billing, Clyde Barrow, for the record. He was he was born into profound poverty, multiple children. But get this, his family lived in a wagon and his father had to save up to buy a tent for the family to live in. Little more than some tarpaulin, quite frankly. But that was an undeniable step up for the family. You don't get much poorer than that. So we're talking about a kid who had very little going for him in life. And, you know, he tried at school, but you know, about the age of 16, he stole a car and some turkeys, okay? Uh, and, and the police, quite rightly, did him for stealing those things. Now, interestingly, in the movie, The Highwayman, it, it talks about he stole some chickens. It's like, well, actually, he stole some turkeys and a car at the same time. You know, that's theft. Gonna, gonna have to do that. Was it to feed the family? Was it to get some money to help out with the family? Or was it just hijinks of a teenager? We don't know inside the, other, uh, the mind of a, a person in history. However, because of various arrests in 19 uh sorry uh, in 1929 he was sort of formally charged and in uh, 1930 he was sent to prison where he was repeatedly sexual sexually assaulted by another inmate this is obviously terrible uh, this is a this is a terrible crime but tellingly age 21 Clyde Barrow retaliated by crushing this man's skull with a lead pipe this okay clyde had been assaulted multiple times this is a crime this is awful and he solved the problem by killing a man this is the first time he's ever actually carried carried out uh homicide what's interesting is that actually another inmate sort of took the um uh, you know took the blame for this death um to sort of like allow to, to give clyde a bit of a chance but interestingly, Clyde, to avoid hard labour, got another inmate to chop off two of his toes with an axe. So this gave him a limp for the rest of his life. That's weird. Uh, you know, I, you can call it brave or anything else, but OK, maybe just do the hard labour. Or if you're going to cheat the system, that seems a pretty severe way to cheat the system. Um, 
And yes, so uh, it, it also led to him uh, ultimately uh, sort of like getting a slightly early release because of this wound. I guess you could say it would work. But would you be willing to chop two of your t your, your toes off permanently? It is also worth pointing out that at this stage, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about you know, pre-antibiotics and we're in a prison. You know, he could well have died of an infection. Um, and what I find interesting is that there's a comment from one of his siblings, uh, a sister, who, said, who says, and this is a direct quote, something awful sure must have happened to him in prison because he wasn't the same person when he got out. Um, and another sort of fellow inmate uh, said that he changed from a schoolboy to a rattlesnake. So if you like, you could argue that it was um, that it was prison that sort of turned him into the gangster that he was. But what's interesting is that obviously he fell in with Bonnie. Bonnie was slightly odd girl as well. She got married at the age of uh, 15 to you know, a sort of childhood sweetheart called uh, Roy. Uh, and uh, interestingly, they, they went their separate ways, but they were never formally divorced. And when she died, she was still wearing the wedding ring that she'd got when she was 15 years old. Um, now, she seems to have been a more of a frustrated, uh, you know, let's face it, I, when you look at history and how poorly women have been treated, there has to be you know, women in, let's say, the year 1100, just sort of sitting there in a farmyard, surrounded by kids with a with a husband sort of like, like tilling the soil going, I think there's more to life than this. And I think that by the sort of like late 1920s, early 1930s, we're now at the point where women have finally got the vote, both in the UK and in America. You know, that there were the glimmers of, you know, do you know what, there might be more to life than this. Uh, and she sort of wrote poetry at school. And, uh, you know, she seemed pretty articulate. And when, uh, you know, so when she sort of ran away and got married and when she was eventually dragged back, she ended up becoming a waitress for a time. So th there does seem to have been a longing for something more in her life. And I think that when you're a teenager, that little frisson of danger never hurts. And so she obviously fell in with them. And, you know, what's interesting is that the Barrow Gang is they ultimately they were a very violent gang um uh, you know they didn't hesitate to have a shootout okay and and other members of the gang let's so there's uh raymond hamilton uh there's uh, buck barrow and, and another another brother uh or a brother i should say of clyde uh, uh henry methvin uh, dillinger was even with them for a time uh you know these were people who carried out multiple murders and actually this sort of like level of brutality did in some circles turn people off them but what's interesting about this is i have already mentioned multiple times that they robbed about a dozen or so banks which got them in the headlines but they actually robbed far more local stores and small rural gas stations than they robbed banks because let's face it banks are probably going to have security sticking a gun in the face of a small town little gas station i say small town just like on the edge of the highway you could grab maybe 20 bucks and then and that was easy money and that wasn't as reported as much they weren't robin hood stealing from the rich and giving to the poor they stole from anybody they thought they could get away with and gave to their associates you know their families did well out of it uh you know the the rest of the gang did well out of it but that's not quite the whole robin hood thing is it now um 
And so and it's interesting that, that there is a, a sort of echo of this in Highwaymen, where there's basically a gas station guy who refuses to help Kevin Costner. And Kevin Costner's just seen one of the police officers that's been killed. And so, and basically the, the, the gas man says, you know, oh, I don't know anything about them. I haven't seen them this way. Anyway, what's what's the harm? They're harmless. They don't hurt anybody other than the banks. And at which point, sort of like, um, Kevin Costner sort of smacks him around a bit and goes, yeah, well, he kills police officers too. But, you know, there's only so much time you've got in a movie to explain things, but that is also kind of pointing out that these people are more dangerous than sometimes you you might have thought. And they basically, um, the Barrow Gang, or Bonnie and Clyde, went on a massive spree spreading out through sort of central, the center of America. And, you know, both of them were Texas people, by the way. That's how the Texas Rangers got involved. And... They went on a two-year spree in an era that's referred to by sort of like criminal historians as the public enemy era. We're sort of, you know, heading towards the end of Prohibition time. But in the 1920s and 1930s, we, we get the creation of things like the Federal Bureau of Investigation, you know, the FBI. So we've now got a way to go across state lines to sort of like do manhunts and things like that. And there can be federal offenses now. Um, and, and so there's an evolution of the of the legal system, but also... It got good numbers in terms of listener viewers and also selling newspapers um, it, when it came to sort of like talking about the current public enemy number one and who are the public enemies or the threats to public safety at the moment. You know, it, there, there is this thrill to this. It's kind of like, oh, that sounds that sounds cool. You know, who's dangerous at the moment? It's like, oh, right, okay, it's Al Capone or, or whatever. And and if you like, it was the, the manhunt around Bonnie and Clyde and the Barrow gang that sort of symboled the signaled the beginning of the end of this era, really. It, but if you like technology, law enforcement was beginning to catch up. Just sort of 20 years earlier, and radio was kind of not a thing, and telephones were hard to get by. So if you robbed a place, it might be days before anybody knew about it, for heaven's sakes. And so you were long gone. And you could obviously disappear into the badlands of Texas or something. But by now, and indeed you see in the movie, uh, The Highwayman, you, you actually have mobile radio communication in the back of cars. So, you know, the FBI were able to communicate with each other. There were spotter planes that were sent out for these people. Things were evolving. And so just running around going yeehaw in a car and hoping to get away with it was becoming more and more increasingly difficult. It's a, it, There's an echo of that today. Here's an interesting fact. In the last 10 years in the United Kingdom, and I'm pretty sure it'll be the same stats in, in America, Robbing of banks has dropped by more than 90%. That's nine zero. Because if you go into a bank and shove a gun in people's places, well, for faces, well, first of all, you may or may not get money. The security there is pretty good. But also with modern day things like DNA analysis, uh, you're probably going to leave behind sort of hairs or flakes of dandruff or whatever. So they'll very quickly be able to work out who you are. But also... It's, you know, the CCTV everywhere and things like that and like police helicopters. It's very hard to get away from the, 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 the police. So that does not mean that people aren't doing crimes anymore, but that crime has now evolved into cybercrime. It is much easier to get a 15 year old to hack you from an IP address that says, let's say, South Korea, uh, you know, from Wisconsin and sort of like hack into your your current account and managed to sort of like rinse it that's much easier to do much lower risk much less likely to get caught than actually going into a bank physically waving a gun in people's hands that's 
kind of gone the way of Bonnie and Clyde. And indeed, famously, just sort of about 10 years ago, there was the Hatton Gardens robberies in London. This was a jeweler's where people literally drilled into the side of a safe of a jeweler's in, in London and stole, I think it was multiple millions worth of diamonds. And they were all very quickly caught because of all this modern technology. You know, maybe that would have worked in the 1970s, but it's not the 1970s anymore. So they kept sort of like closing in on them. But, you know, Bonnie and Clyde were clever. You know, they evaded the authorities on multiple times. And they, as I've already pointed out, they had no problem doing shootouts. And what's sort of shown in The Highwayman is the fact that, if you like, the argument here is that Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson are using older, more tried and tested techniques. The, the reality was, and, and they do show that there were different multiple law enforcement groups kind of falling over themselves to try and get Bonnie and Clyde. And that really was true. And there was no doubt that ultimately these Texas Rangers were part of the group and probably led the group in the sort of the final ambush. And you do see the final ambush in in The Highwayman, but it is filmed in a very different way from Bonnie and Clyde. Um, and there, there can be no doubt about the, the violence here. Um, so, you know, to give you an idea, we know, we, we have the car still, but when their car was uh, shot to pieces, more uh, around about 130 rounds, 130 bullets or buckshot went through that car and we know that the that well the, some say that each of them had been hit 50 times i find that hard to believe on on a ratio of 130 but some say that there were uh, around about 25 wounds per corpse um so a total of 50 if you like um both of them had been hit in the head multiple times and if you like, the, there are multiple conflicting reports from the law enforcement officers there. And there is still a con controversy to this day about did they actually say to them, halt, hands up? Did they actually try and get these people to surrender or did they shoot first and read them their rights afterwards over their dead bodies? And but the thing is, it is worth reminding everybody these people had a habit of, 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 you know, of shooting cops on site. So, you know, they'd had their chance. They'd had many, many months to hand themselves in. They clearly wanted to go down fighting, basically. And, you know, it was only a matter of time before their, their luck ran out. But if, you, but if you like, the really powerful thing in The Highwayman is it's that scene where you finally see Bonnie and Clyde up close. And you can kind of see the fear in their eyes and, the, you know, the sort of the apprehensional surprise. And that's really powerful. So, again, couldn't I really do recommend you guys give The Highwoman a go. And it gets weirder because, as I said, you know, fame can be a fickle mistress. I pointed out how many people turned up at their funerals at the beginning. So we know that people were there to pay their respects to these dangerous individuals. But... Um, uh, now, this is not in the movie. This is implied to be other people, but it is actually the Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson uh, characters, uh, Frank Hammer and, and uh, uh, Manny uh, Galt, who were actually trying to be in charge of bringing the car and the bodies sort of back to the nearest town. And during that time, they lost control of the crowd. They were swamped, basically, by people. And there was a frenzy. There was a woman who cut off some of Bonnie's hair to keep a lock of her hair. So uh, the people were seen tugging at and tearing at their clothes to get a piece of their bloodied clothes. As the um, 
as the coroner arrived, sort of like to make an official assessment of the situation, they, they'd already worked out they were dead, but to make an official assessment, the actual coroner made comments on his report. He had to stop somebody cutting off Clyde's ear and somebody else was trying to remove his trigger finger. This is the ninth, for the record, this is April 1934. This is within living memory. And yet this sounds like something from the Middle Ages. People are trying to get a, a piece of the holy relic, get a rip a piece off that saint and store it for luck kind of thing. It does show you how animalistic human beings can be. But yeah, they're, they're, people were sort of like trying to take chips off the car. And there's footage, like I say, there is footage of this well, not, not, not them sort of like trying to grab the bodies, but of the car. You know, there's a real sense of pride of we got them. OK, this is like my like bear hunting. This is trophy hunting. And here's the trophy. And the thing I want to point out is when they did a thorough search of the car, um, this does show you how dangerous the situation had been for the police officers, um, because they found in the car over a dozen guns, not just pistols, but automatic weapons. Um, Clyde's favorite weapon of choice was a BAR um, 1918, um, M1918. So that was, it was actually invented for the military for World War One. It didn't actually get into production in time and it was used quite extensively in World War Two. But this is, uh, th this is basically uh, a submachine gun. Uh, and uh, yeah, so they had over a dozen guns and several thousand rounds of ammunition in that car with them when they were ambushed. These were not people going on a picnic, for example, meaning nobody any harm. They were more, they were armed to the teeth and more than willing to try and shoot their way out of any situation. But the cops got there first. So that, if you like, is the, the truth of the matter. All, yeah, all the law enforcement people have now passed away. We will never quite know what went down in that ambush. I have told you the good and the bad about Bonnie and Clyde. And I encourage you to perhaps, well, maybe have a double bill, watch both films uh, back to back and see which one is more pleasing to you. But also, which one is more truthful as well? Like I say, Highwayman is not exactly, uh, is not strictly speaking, you know, incredibly historically accurate throughout either. They make compromises and uh, there's a very sweet conversation between the Kevin Costner character and Clyde's dad at one point. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's beautifully written. I, and it's so well written and so well observed. I have no doubt it never actually happened. I mean, I'm not an expert on this, but it's a, it's a comment about when do people go bad? And, and the point from, from Clyde's dad, Mr. Barrow, is saying... He wasn't born that way. Um, and as I've shown you, that there seems to be no doubt that it was prison that brutalized Clyde. But once you're brutal, may maybe you need to be stopped. So I leave it to you as a bit of a question as to do you think that the representation of Bonnie and Clyde is, is fair? Um, have I changed your mind on them in any way? Uh, have I made you want to see these films? Please get in contact and, and talk to us about it. Uh, you know, look, 
uh, please, if you if if you've got any money, here's some highway robbery from me, as it were. Uh, if, if you've got any money and you can support the channel, please, please do go to patreon.com forward slash neon podcast for just a, as little as a dollar a month. You can sort of like get involved and help support us. It sort of helps us research these things and, you know, improve recording equipment and so on and so forth. So please, if you can, and if you can't, then please give us a review and spread the word. Tell people about Neon. Get people to subscribe and click that download button as well. All this helps us um, uh, uh, overall. So there are always ways you can get involved with Neon. There'll be a new one coming out soon. But in the meantime, this has been Neon's thoughts on Bonnie and Clyde. Thanks for listening. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.